Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's the only way. Hey, Hallelujah. Before I turn to the word of God, can I, can I just make an announcement? Um, next Friday, the 1st of September, it's 11 o'clock, will be Francis's Blount's funeral. Francis has been a member of this church for 55 years. Um, if you can come along and support, uh, we would certainly appreciate it. If you have a couple of three people that are available to be ushers on the door, I would also appreciate that. We're anticipating a crowd. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to get them in, but we're, we're hosting the service and I'm taking it. So if you can help out next Friday, the 1st of September, it's 11 o'clock. I would appreciate it. Psalm 119. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but uh, the last time I read Psalm 119 in church was about 45 years ago, and I read the whole of the psalm. And it took me 15 minutes to read it out loud. And uh, there was a dear lady in the church who was uh, one of the local registrars, uh, and she came up to me after the service and says, Pastor, please don't do that again. (laughs) Not that she objected to the the psalm, but she uh, wasn't too impressed with my reading of that psalm. So this morning, I'm only going to read a small portion of it, um, but also just to reiterate what Seth was saying, I'm going to talk about the Bible this morning. I'm going to talk about reading the Bible. I'm going to talk about meditating on the Bible. I'm talking about studying the Bible. And, uh, and so that's why Psalm 119 is so appropriate. And thank you, Seth, for all that you said. It really appreciated and would say amen, 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 amen. Psalm 119, verse 9. I like this verse. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your words. I may be 74, but I still consider myself a young man. (laughs) With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 
I've chosen for a text this morning a King James translation. And it's verse 105. Thy word have I hid in my heart. No, sorry. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Living Bible puts it like this. Your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and keep me from stumbling. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Like a couple of weeks ago, my daughter brought me a brand new hi-fi system. And I, uh, as I was instructed, set it up immediately. And uh, after I'd set it up, I thought, it's got a USB port. I'll, I'll put a USB in it and see what, what we can get out of it. I couldn't get it in. I pushed it this way. I pushed it that way. And it wouldn't have it. So I got the torch out. And I noticed that the angle of the USB port was at 45 degrees. I was pushing it like that and trying it like that where really I should be putting it like that. And we need this to guide our paths. We were challenged earlier by a word from David about, about the difficulty of the situation. Even when situations are difficult, I want to tell you there's a calm at the bottom. In every storm... There's going to be calm somewhere. And so whatever storm you're in this morning, don't be put off by the difficulties of the way. Just make sure your heart is settled and your mind is settled and you are at peace with God at this time. Before our beloved leader went on holiday he decided we were going to have a summer in the Psalms. He was going to have a summer in Devon or Dorset on the beach, but we were going to spend the summer in the Psalms. <clears throat> and a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of opening it up with Psalm 121, and I shared particularly a verse God gave to us before a difficult situation came about. He didn't give us a word in the situation, he gave us a word before the situation. And sometimes God gives you a word before the situation. He prepares you for what's coming to pass. And other times you, you may be in a difficulty and you talk, the, talk to the Lord and God gives you a word in the situation. And then last week, my, bro, my dear brother pinched the psalm I wanted to preach on, Psalm 91. <clears throat> it's all right, we did it all over again in life group. <laughs> Went through again. And had the privilege of listening to what you, you said. <clears throat> but it's, it's this relationship with God. It's, it's knowing the blessing of God on a day-by-day -day basis. It's almost, it, Psalm 91 almost paves you in armour from protection by the Holy Spirit. And that's the place the believer is positioned. 
that place of protection. And he actually says halfway through the psalm, if you don't know this experience, this is the way to find it out. And so if you haven't got that experience this morning and you want to know what it really is all about, then read Psalm 91. And then read Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is 176 verses long. Now it's a long psalm, isn't it? A long psalm. But every verse talks about the word of God. The subject of Psalm 119 is the word of God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to call it the Bible because that's what we call it nowadays. I found this on the internet. No one is required to own it, to read it, or believe it, but the Bible, but the Bible, but people buy it in droves. The Bible is the best-selling book because it is living, powerful, and universally desired. The Bible is often said to be the world's best sold book, but research the bestseller list and you won't find it anywhere from top to bottom. They don't list it. Why don't they list it? Because they know it's one hands down. Year after year after year, the, the sales of Bibles are twice as high, if not more, than anything else. makes you wonder is it a bestseller why is it on the list well the answer is simple the annual figures for bible sales are so high repeatedly year after year that it dwarfs the sales of all other books amen for that you know there's one thing buying it there's another thing reading it You know, we may talk about the statistics of Bible sales, but it's more important that we not only buy the Bible, but we read the Bible. And there's no excuse, is there? There's no excuse for carrying a Bible. How many of you got more than one Bible on you today? You've got a Bible, you've got your phone, you've got a tablet. There's no excuse, is there? Get stuck in a bus queue and waiting for the bus, get your Bible out, get your phone out. It's more useful than making telephone calls, reading the Bible. More than 168,000 Bibles are sold or given to others in the United States every day. 168,000. 20 million are sold in a year. That's more than double the amount that was sold annually in 1950s. Gideon International distributes 59,460,000 Bibles worldwide last year. And they gave every one of them away free. Why? Because they know the power of God's word in changing lives. The percentage of Americans who own at least one Bible, whether it be given to them or purchased, is 
Two-thirds of the owners, regardless of religion, affiliation, say the Bible holds a meaning to life. Do you know there are now 1,300 different translations? I actually saw a pulpit of a, of a, a conference and it had got on the conference pulpit, only the King James Bible is used here. But now they've got a choice of 1,300. There are over 40 authors in the Bible, 66 books covering 1,500 years. It's written in Aramaic, Hebrew or Greek. Humanly speaking, the Bible was written by approximately 40 men of diverse backgrounds from a course over a course of 1,500 years. Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah was a priest. Matthew was a tax collector. John was a fisherman. Paul was a tent maker. Moses was a shepherd. Luke was a physician. And despite being penned by different authors over 15 centuries, the Bible does not contradict itself, nor does not it contain any errors. All the authors are present from different perspectives, but they all proclaim the same one true God and the same way of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, all scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The truth is this morning, friends, your Bible is inspired, inerrant, reliable, and more up-to-date than tomorrow morning's newspaper. Every newspaper has a correction column acknowledging that it's printed errors, not the Bible. You can trust it to guide you right in every area of your life. The Bible, there is simply no other book like it. When you believe its central message of salvation through Christ, you have peace and joy now, plus you get to live in heaven with God for eternity when you die. What a wonderful opportunity, friends. Not only security in this life, but security in the next life. Amen. Well, that's enough about statistics. What about the book? Are you engaging with it? Is the Bible your companion? Is it in the back seat, back pocket of your pants, like Seth's? You look around today, all you seem to see in the back pocket is telephones. Well, that might be all right because that might be their Bible. But friends, it's no good just believing what it is. It's no good just believing it's going to do you good. You've got to engage with it. You've got to read it. You've got to allow God's Holy Spirit to bring this to life (coughs) in your personality and lifestyle. Every verse of Psalm 119, all 176 verses of them are to encourage and require us, insist on us that we engage. You see, the Bible is not just a Sunday companion. I trust you don't go home today today from church and you, you fold your Bible up and you put it on the bookshelf 
And it stops there till next Sunday morning when you pull it off the bookshelf and you take it to church. Now, I don't know whether we take it because it looks good or because we really want to engage with what the preacher is saying. But I want you to engage with it every day. I want you to read God's word on a daily by by basis. And I don't want you just to flick the Bible open and say, I'm going to read that verse today. And then tomorrow you flick the Bible open again and you could say, I'm going to read that verse today. I believe the proper way to read the Bible is to start at the beginning and work to the end. I think it's to make a commitment to say, I am going to read one chapter, two chapter, or three chapters a day. And you read them on a consecutive basis. Yes, you can read other passages as well, but I, I think it's good to be consecutive in the way you read. You can read daily notes because they encourage you. Uh, in fact, um, work for today has done a, a remarkable thing on biblical creation and the thoughts of biblical creation over the last few days. And so it, it is in good to engage in other things. I mean, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine bought me Spurgeon's morning and evening readings. Spurgeon is hard work. I don't understand the way he writes because he writes in a poetical way but it's hard work. If you want a sample, I'll give you a sample. Not now, but I will give you a sample. Deuteronomy chapter, sorry, Exodus 24, verse 7 says, Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. That's a good text for today, isn't it, really? All that we have heard, the Lord has said, we will do and we will be obedient. There's nothing like responding to the voice of God. There's nothing like hearing what God is saying how God is challenging you. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verses 18 to 20. And it shall be well, and it shall be with him, and he shall read all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord, his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may be not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments of the right hand or the left hand, that he may prolong, prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. You know, God's word has a habit of putting everything in the right perspective. I, I, I go walking up the streets and I pass a lady who works out of Prince Thorpe College and 
I thought the other day, hang on a minute, why has the husband now got a Bentley SUV? Last week he only had a fo an old Ford. Well, it was a 17 Reg, but it was only an old Ford. Now this week he's got, he's got a brand new Bentley SUV. And you think, okay, that's all right. He puts it in perspective. You don't get dealt with the attitude of jealousy and possession. You see, what we're here for is it, it, not to enlarge our tent, not to feather our nests, but we're here to share God's love and God's grace. Tells us in 1, Tim, Teth, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16 says, And when you, you've read this epistle among you, so that you read it also to the church of the Laodiceans. And likewise, read the epistle to them. One of my favourite hobbies is eating. Anybody agree? I eat three times a day. Yeah, only usually three times a day. Lunch, now breakfast, lunch, and the evening meal. Right? And this is food, friends. This feeds my soul. This feeds my spirit. This feels my relationship with God. This gives me direction and guidance for what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go and what I'm going to say. We need direction. We need guidance. We live in a very hostile world. And we need to how, to how to walk in the ways of the kingdom. And in order to walk in the ways of the kingdom, we've got to devour this. Not in one setting. Not in one sitting. Because you're going to get indigestion. But on a regular, systematic system. Day by day. By, I could say morning by noon by night, but that's a bit much, isn't it? But certainly on a day-by-day -day basis, you take out of God's word and you read it. And then, secondly, the Bible talks about meditating. Now, it doesn't seem to, uh, in the past, gone down very well in Christian circles, but the Bible certainly talks about meditating. In other words, getting alone with God taking a passage of scripture that, you, that God has been speaking to you about and just getting alone with him and saying, Lord, will you bring me illumination on what you're sharing with me? What's the purpose of this word? What's the sense of direction and guidance in my life? How do you want me to walk with this word? How do you want to develop it within me? The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night. How do you sleep? Do you sleep well? Do you hit the pillar and 
bang, you're gone for eight hours. Or like me, so I, go, I go straight to sleep. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's most like you're flicking the switch off. But then about halfway through the night, I need to go to the loo. And I get back in the loo and the brain is going, 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 going. What a time to start meditating. Read your Bible and read a few verses. Things that you're concerned about, that, that, that almost your mind's playing tricks with. Write it on a piece of paper what you've got to do the next day. Put it to one side. But allow this book to fill your mind and your spirit. You might meditate on it. You might find profit in it. You may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Every time Joyce Meyer prays and preaches, she talks about having the favour of God. Do you want the favour of God? Do you want to know God's blessing on a day-by-day basis? So that we get to the point that we don't come back to God and say, why is this happening? Because God has given us direction and guidance before the very thing has happened. I shared a couple couple of weeks ago about our incident on on the River Avon, friends. It was the most... I don't know. Wonderful time. Yes, I say that. We, 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 it wasn't a problem that the boat went up 17 feet with the flood. It didn't problem that the helicopter had to come take us and lift us off. It doesn't matter that we were stuck in somebody's house for three months because the boat was stuck in a field. Why doesn't it matter? Because God's presence, God's peace was absolutely tangible you could have actually cut it with a knife it was so tangible it was not a figment of our imagination it was a a reality of God's prosperity and God's success but the boat was stuck in a field for three months and you had to find somewhere else to live for three months that wasn't a problem I had a great boss Richard wasn't available, so my boss had to come in. Psalm 77 verse 12 says, I will meditate on your work and all your work and talk of your deeds. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9 says, And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say one thing to you. Fix your thoughts on what is true, good and right. Think about things which are pure, lovely, and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice and learning from me and, and saw in me and the God of peace will be with you. That's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9 from the Living Bible translation. Timothy is told... Keep a watch on on all that you do and think. Stay true to what is right and God will bless you and use you to help others. 
And then finally study. My mother-in-law fought 50 years ago, 52, 53 years ago. Who were we married, darling? We weren't married, so it's 53 years ago. Gave me a Bible. And she wrote in the front of it, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study God's word. Work hard so God can say to you, well done. Be a good workman, one who does not need to be ashamed when God examines his work. For he knows what the word says and means. You see, Christ is the grand subject. Your good is its design. The glory of God is its end. <coughs> Reason to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be spiritually healthy, read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. Let it fill your memory, your rule, your heart and guide your steps. Most of all, respect the Bible. Most of us respect the Bible. The trouble is we don't read it daily and put it into practice. After hearing a discussion about various translations of the Bible, one man said, I prefer my mother's translation because she translates it into everyday life. Are you doing that? God bless you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.